This is AP5, and you're listening to the Brick City Blockade Podcast Network, if you know what's good for you. Hey everyone, welcome to the first official interview on the Collector's Convo. I'm your host, Chris Letty, and today I've got my good collecting buddy, Mr. Stephen Ward. What's going on? Howdy. What's going on, man? What's, what uh, is new up here in beautiful New England? Beautiful New England, things are going good. A very random uh, interaction today. It is. Uh, unplanned for the most part. Um, we are fellow Rebel Commando collectors, vintage Star Wars, and uh, we've been uh, talking about Star Wars for about a year now. Yeah. And yep. this is our first time meeting in person, so it's pretty cool. And uh, Steven's got, he uh, asked me to do a favor for him, and uh, I was more than willing to help. And uh, I think today we're just going to uh, chat about his collecting, uh, you know, what he collects, and, and uh, just what he likes about Star Wars. So we're going to go for it. All right, man, so Star Wars, what, what got you into Star Wars? You know, I've, I've said it before and I'll, I'll say it again. Um, when I was a kid, the way that Star Wars kind of reached out and grabbed my imagination, the way that, you know, my childhood brain worked, there was just something about the whole thing, uh, just how visually striking it was. You had this crazy, great storyline, good versus evil, one that you had in, you know, in a lot of things, in, in, in comic books, in other you know in literature and movies and other stuff that you really like growing up but um, Star Wars just managed to capture my imagination in a way nothing else could because there wasn't anything else there just wasn't anything else out there like it like that you know what I mean so yeah absolutely so like what age do you think you were introduced do you remember uh, is, there, is there one moment that you really sticks out to you as far as um, you know first time seeing the movies whatever it might be I you know I've been asked that before and I can't pinpoint the age that I remember watching the movies really really early on because you know, I'm a late bloomer I was born in 84 so it's kind of a okay. strange age to you know be a Star Wars fan today somebody you know, dark you're, times, you're, right? it was the it was yes it was the very beginning of the dark times yeah. and uh I remember sitting and watching the entire trilogy in one day. I, if memory serves me, because I'm kind of I'm remembering like the house that we lived in. We moved around a lot when I was a kid, but I remember that house. So it places it. I was probably about about ten years old okay. when I sat down one afternoon, late afternoon into the evening, and he'd rented the entire trilogy, and I just sat and watched it start to finish. And from there, I was completely hooked. <laughs> completely hooked. And I'd played with Star Wars toys and stuff like that before, but really hooked into the movie at that point. And, and that, I think, just really only helped to uh, exacerbate my love for the Kenner toy line. So, uh, for sure. I mean, so, because you were introduced, you know, this is early to mid-90s, you know, how were you exposed to the toys? Did, did relatives have the figures? Did you 
um, hand-me-downs? Where did you, you know, first get your figures from? You know, some of it was hand-me-down stuff. I'd play with uh, toys that friends of mine had from their older brother or older cousin or whatever the case might be. Um, and then ended up picking some stuff up at garage sales, flea markets, antique malls, that, that kind of that kind of thing. And I still remember one of my first purchases um, was at one of those like little trade days things in downtown Huntsville, Alabama, you know, picking up some, some empire figures and kind of negotiating with the guy who was selling it because I didn't have enough money to buy it all. So I figured I'd try to maximize, maximize my return a little bit. That's awesome. That's cool. So, you know, we, both of us collect Rebel Commando, and that's yep. kind of what brought us together. Yep. But um, as a kid, I mean, do, was there any other figures that really stood out to you um, that you know you really gravitated towards? Um, you know, whether it be a villain, a, you know, a side character, a main character like Han or Luke. Yeah, um, obviously the Rebel Commando was was on the list. Admiral Akbar was another that I was a big fan of. Boba Fett was another one that I was a big fan of. I think it was just the, some of it was the look, you know, sure. Boba Fett, you couldn't really argue, you really couldn't argue with the look. I mean, it was just such a cool, in-your-face kind of design that was very different from a lot of the other stuff in the line. But, you know, for me, I think some of it was really the the ease of availability for things like Akbar or the Rebel Commando. Uh, again, kind of circling back around to, you know, this is in 1993, 94, and it was not all that uncommon to find a lot of Return of the Jedi yeah. stuff, more so than Empire or, or Star Wars. And I think that's still the case today. There was certainly a surplus of a lot of those figures. Um, and kind of by happenstance, that, that, <laughs> that yeah, that surplus really yeah. is what ended up kind of helping me find that not only did I like the Return of the Jedi movie the most out of, out of all of them, but I really enjoyed the figures from that line and tended to pick my favorites from that little sure, chunk sure. as it were. So, you know, Star Wars was uh, famous for creating this uh, escapist type play situation with all their vehicles and, and play sets and everything. And how was it for you as a kid? Did you have many of the vehicles, play sets? Um, you know, accessories, anything like that, that really added to your uh, play value? You know, it was pretty much just the figures. Those kind of got intermixed with other things. Uh, Playmobile is one that I remember my cousin Patrick and I would always intermix the Playmobile and, and finish Star Wars stuff, and even some of the later uh, 95, 96, 97 Power of the Force 2 stuff. Yeah. They were similar. Uh, in scale, we would tend to make a lot of our own little play sets. I remember we constructed our own little cantina out of, I mean, old you know pieces from like a Tinker Toys or an Erector set or yeah. something like that. A lot of like uh, these varnished, you know, little kind of wooden just building blocks that we had. Uh, just kind of came up with our own things. But no, I don't remember ever really owning any of the big play sets or, or any of the vehicles as a kid. It was strictly loose figures and eventually some carded stuff. But that was the fun part, is that we at least had the opportunity, since we didn't have a lot of that stuff, to be able to come up with something, uh, an environment, and um, some kind of new locale to put all our figures in. 
So yeah, that was, yeah, that was I fun. Mean, I mean, that's kind of what it's all about, right? Yeah, man, I totally hear you. I mean, the same thing with me as far as, you know, creating my own environments and, and that's what was awesome. You put in all the, the toy lines together. It's like there's no, you know, you, you just add in everything and you just have the most fun that you could of, you know, with what you've had. And so, I mean, you mentioned Power of the Force 2. Um, where did you stand as far as, you know, when they brought the toys back? Was that something that you jumped in to? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Head, head first. I loved it. Yeah. Um, it was neat. Because Star Wars at that time, um, it's funny now because you seem to be more of the social reject if you don't have a Star Wars shirt or backpack or lunchbox, <laughs> you know. And, and you know, now having kids of my own now, it's it's very weird to kind of see this bizarro childhood world out there where you're you're more likely to get your ass kicked for not having Star Wars stuff or not liking Star Wars. <laughs> Than back in you know the early mid '90s when that was something that would most assuredly get your ass kicked. Um, oh yeah, I know. I was the only yeah. kid in my <laughs> high school class that was willing to wear Star Wars shirts, and people are like, "Seriously, you're wearing a, a Jawa T-shirt like Darth Vader?" You know, and I'm like, "Yeah, I like it. What's wrong with that?" You know, and and but nowadays, like you said, it's I mean, it's everywhere. My kids wear it. Your kids wear it. Yeah, and everybody it's, wears it's, it. It's a really weird. We're current. We're both currently wearing Star Wars T-shirts. Yeah, we are. Yeah, uh, that, that is that is objectively true. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's the thing. Like, no one blinks an eye. That's no. just one of those just one of those odd social norms now that Star Wars has permeated so much stuff in culture, even down to you know, kind of what what's cool for the kids to have. It's everywhere now, and and. You know, the whole geekdom, not to get too much you know, yeah. on a tangent, sure. but that, I think a lot of the, the, the nerd culture, you know, the, that's cool now. I mean, you even, like, you know, you kind of make some of these jokes about, you know, the kids who wear, you know, like some hipster kid who puts on glasses who doesn't need them because yeah. they think it looks cool. Uh, you know, glasses used to be a kind of the classic form of ridicule. Yep. And I, now, yep, yeah, I know. everything I'm, geek is, it's I in went through now. it, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy how things have shifted, and and now with, you know, Star Wars being a yearly thing, you know, in the, in the movie theaters, and, and with the success of all the comic book movies, and, and, you know, the TV shows, and that sort of thing, I mean, it's just become part of normal culture now. It's not yeah. necessarily pop culture anymore. Which is, you know, I fully embrace it, and uh, you know, I'm. I'd like to say, you know, I was at the forefront, you know, of that kind of thing. But uh, you know, I totally hear what you're saying. No, we were just nerds who like who <laughs> like Star Wars, yeah. <laughs> Star Wars, and comic books and action oh, yeah. figures. So, you know, you had the toys when you were when you were younger and that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, what point did you decide? Okay, I want to start collecting this stuff. I want to start learning more about, you know, these figures, where they come from, who, you know, who makes the, these figures? Like, what are they all about? Um, kind of when when did that click for you? That was right around '95 or '96, and one of the things that I really glad that I held on to was a copy of the uh, of Star Wars Galaxy magazine. 
you know, you used yeah. to be able to pick that up every, you know, month or quarter, whatever it was. And uh, there was an article, there was an interview with a collector named Gus Lopez, and a lot of people in the vintage collecting community know who Gus is. I mean, he's got a, a world-class, renowned, amazing collection of props and Star Wars um, pre-production items and, and prototype toys. But there was an article on him in this magazine, and it showed a photograph of him in front of his computer, and behind him was the classic C-3PO action figure carrying case, but it was done in one was a bright, solid yellow, one was a translucent, kind of off-white, you know, different iterations. I had no idea what this stuff was, but it was kind of, kind of like with my fascination with Star Wars, I was kind of just immediately like taken by it, like this is awesome, I need to figure out what this is all about. (laughs) And that's when I went online uh, back in the Wild West days of the internet, something that you can usually only get in your school library, and I found uh, the Star Wars Collector's Archive and started getting interested in, in a lot of prototype toys and trying to understand the process and the uh, kind of the different subsets uh, of the creation. Uh, the, sure. The, just the different the, yeah, just parts the process, of the process that were needed yeah. to make that toy that I could sit there and go, oh, wow, that's really cool. I mean that sounds sounds pretty amazing. You were, you know, involved with that, you know, digging in back and back then. I mean, it was like you said, it was like the Wild West. There wasn't that many people looking into, you know, the pre-production side of things. And and um, I know, for me at that time, uh, Steve Sansweet had a book from concept to screen to collectible. Yep. And I know Classic. that. Yeah, I know that. A lot of, you know, collectors at that time really, it opened their eyes up to what else was out there, you know, what else you could get. And me, you know, I just looked at it for, you know, I didn't really dig in and I just continued collecting my, you know, Power of the Force 2 and and stuff like that. Whereas like a (laughs) lot of, a lot of other collectors, you know, went out to, they sought out these creators of these toys from Kenner and and you know tried to find these pieces that you know they were talking about in, in the book and everything like that I mean how does that in how does that influence where you stand as a collector today I mean was there an evolution in your collecting did you immediately try going for those pieces uh, I regret not having enough forethought, you know, at that time. But then again, you know, at 12, 13 years right. old, you don't really much think about it. You can no. certainly... Uh, not unless accept... you're Stephen B. Danley, you know. You know. That's true. That's true. <laughs> it's very true. But uh, Got sorry, ahead of the game. Man. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, I wish I could have had enough... Uh, I guess the best way to put it is, sure, I could conceptualize, like most any... 12 or 13 year old that these were items someone had to go find but I didn't think about really much of the process Mm -hmm. behind the acquisition of these things Um, yeah I'm I'm sure I'll always regret that I didn't even know my like early part of my 20s spend more time and you know money on getting stuff when it was more uh, affordable Um, you know because I collected a lot of Return of the Jedi you know related ephemera puzzles or 
books or model kits, a lot of the things that have that logo emblazoned on them, in addition to the Kenner toy line stuff, um, you know, but I'd, I'd never had any kind of real pre-production or prototype toy focus. I mean, that's that's really been within the last, uh, you know, five or six years that I'd said, I'm actually going to go and try to get some of this stuff because I could have had a lot of it much more easily, you know, into the the early 2000s when a lot of stuff was coming to the market at prices that just kind of make you want to drink now i mean it's, it's oh yeah nuts. definitely yeah it's uh <laughs> it's silly how low the prices were on everything well, so the lack of interest in some of the items too yeah. stuff that's thousands of dollars now was not really thought of as uh terribly interesting mm-hmm. back it you know in 15 16 Sure. So before we get into that stuff, I mean, how did your collecting um, evolve? Did you go for a loose run of figures? Did you get into boxed vehicles? Did you collect carded figures? Uh, did you go through those different, uh, you know, quote unquote levels of, of collecting along the way? Somewhat, I guess. I mean, it, most of the time it was just, um, most of the time early on it was, I want to get loose figures that I don't have any condition I can get them and um, you know would occasionally get an extra here and there. Now when Power of the Force 2 hit the uh, you know hit the market you know in the mid 90s mm-hmm. I kept a lot of that stuff on the card because that was that discipline of collecting was something I somewhat inherited from a lot of the old guard that I read about and knew about uh, from the archive and that, that seemed to be a fairly common thing was keeping this stuff mint and on the card and all of all the things you hear when when it comes to collecting stuff like that i'm, I'm sure a lot of us now would be, wish we could open this stuff up and play with it because we're yeah. all speculating on on its value and you know one day when i have kids it's going to put them through college not the case yeah the 90s stuff nope i uh yep same thing for me uh basement full of power of the force 2 stuff yep. that you can barely give away now but uh you know i kind of look at it, it was it was a fun time, you know, hunting for the different variations and, and you know, it kind of helped me learn about, you know, that there can be all this different different variations within one figure and that sort of thing. And then from that, you know, it could lead into, for me, it kind of led into learning about the variations of all the, the vintage loose Kenner figures. And, um, you know, like you said, I, I wish that I had had the forethought uh but you know it is what it is and um you know today we're you know you got to pay the going rate for stuff and and now you mentioned that you are into pre-production items you know star wars wise i mean what kind of you know you don't have to say exactly what you have but like what kind of examples of pre-production items have you found you know for your own personal Really, a lot of stuff that runs the full gamut of the production process, and for for those uh, that aren't necessarily familiar, a lot of action figure sculpting starts out using using wax. They create the figure out of wax. They uh, go through a mold making process and make what's called a hard copy out of resin, which can be used for cooling the molds and as well as for being painted up as a photo sample, sales sample for salesmen to take around and show what their line's going to look like. Eventually, when the molds are made, the steel molds are cut from those 
hard copies that are used to tool or create the molds. You get a finished mold that can create production style figures and some of the first ones are amazingly enough called first shots because yep. they're some of the first figures shot in plastic on the injection injection uh, molding machine using the same molds. Then eventually you get some other stuff like it's called an engineering pilot which is another form of a mostly finished figure used for Again, you guessed it, the engineers to do checking on the pilot program, the first run of production, uh, production style figures that would be put out. And that's generally somewhat the process for any toy at, throughout, I don't want to say throughout history, there's a lot, there's, that's, a, that's a whole like <laughs> yeah. crazy, you know, a whole crazy description to explain all the ways that it's made, but that's generally how it works. And uh, I don't necessarily have stuff for vintage Star Wars and all of those those forms, uh, there's Star Wars stuff that I do have in a, in a lot of those forms, but a lot of the stuff I'm interested in is kind of Kenner from that golden era in general, and mm -hmm. a lot of even a lot of the items that were internally uh, created or distributed items for the employees, whether it's business cards or awards or shirts, any number of things that were emblazoned with the Kenner logo or played a part in creation of a lot of classic lines like Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is another one that I'm a really big fan of. Um, awesome, man. So, I mean, there's there's a small uh, select group of collectors that focus on uh, the pre-production items, and it's it is a hard uh, it's a hard um, part of the collecting scene to get into just because of the financial investment that a lot of these pieces, uh, you know, how much they cost really it's, it's, just, and the rarity. Um, yeah. So what, I mean, would you have any advice to people like trying to get into the vintage collecting scene? Don't, uh, don't I mean, do it. You'll be a lot happier. Production. Yeah. Right. Just don't do it. Um, I mean, as far as pre-production, there is some great stuff out there. Uh, there's some great stuff out there from a lot of different toy lines that are well within. Yeah, even for folks who are on a shoestring budget, there are some really neat things. They aren't necessarily all vintage Star Wars or vintage Kenner. There's a lot of interesting pre-production stuff that can be found on, on eBay, uh, on some of the Facebook groups all kinds of things. I mean, almost any item, almost any item that exists has a prototype of it, whether it's a pen or a pair of headphones or even an aluminum can. There is something that is made as a pattern for that and different steps and iterations have to, um, have to occur for that thing to make it to production. Toys, whether it's Star Wars toys or Barbie or G.I. Joe or even just your toddler's, you know, uh, Fisher-Price toys. That stuff all goes through a very similar process. And so therefore pre-production items exist for, yeah, pretty much not to beat a dead <laughs> horse, but they, I mean, they exist for, for everything. And a lot of that stuff is available if you know where to look. Uh, again, eBay is, an, is a good source. Um, there are some good reliable sellers on there who have some really neat items, including stuff related to Star Wars and vintage Star Wars. Uh, 
albeit those tend to be a little bit more uh, <laughs> just on, a little bit pricey, a little bit more on the on the pricey side. Um, so, not to interrupt, but like, I mean, I know, you know, what to do as far as, you know, when I'm looking to buy these things. But for somebody getting into it, I mean, what kind of resources would you recommend people checking out to to know what they're looking at, to know what they're buying? Because you, when you're paying the kind of money you have to pay for pre-production stuff, you want to know that you're buying something that's yeah, legit. Absolutely. I mean, do you have some, some sites, some books, anything that you would recommend? Well, as far as anything related to Star Wars, the SWCA.com, which is the Star Wars Collector's Archive, has a lot of great information on any number of Star Wars memorabilia subjects, including some really, really lengthy, um, really lengthy list of different prototype toys. Gives you kind of an idea, gives you a flavor of some of the things that were made, uh, and you can kind of bounce those ideas, uh, bounce those ideas off and apply them to other things. As far as trying to make sure you're getting legitimate items, there are some good, um, there's some good groups on Facebook, which seems to be the way that we all communicate about a lot of these things now. Um, that are exclusively dedicated to prototype toys. Um, there's so much to learn. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a loaded <laughs> question. Um, but I would actually say that there are some, some of the best resources you can find are on Facebook with groups specifically dedicated to this, um, this discipline of collecting, I guess. Sure. So like the pre-production or prototype groups. Um, okay. So, I, one big thing for me that's helped is uh, is networking through these groups. Yeah. You know, getting to know people, figuring out who is, you know, who really knows their stuff about these things. I mean, we, I reached out to you or you reached out to me. I can't remember what it was. But, like, trying to get to know some of the other collectors that, that deal with this stuff um, and building up a good rapport and, and that sort of thing. I mean, how do you feel about that? I mean, that, I mean, networking is, is probably one of the best things in my opinion, as far as learning, you know, honestly. Yeah. And the importance of the social interaction stuff in the collecting hobby cannot be, I, I cannot say enough about that because I'm fortunate to have some of the things I do not only because of what I know about them, but because of the connections I was able to make. I mean, I have stuff in my collection because of, because of you mm -hmm. and, you know, our, we, you know, we have a yeah. you know, good friend, our friend, Justin Roland. We, it's, it's all kind of this cyclical thing. We're all trying to help each other out. And I think that's one of the great things about the hobby nowadays. And one of the great things about kind of about nerd culture, uh, again, <laughs> being a good thing is that now, it's not some weird thing where you just want to collect Star Wars figures in the basement and not tell anybody about it. You know, you have other folks who are just regular, regular folks just like you who happen to have uh, stuff from their childhood that they remember really fondly and go, you know, man, I'd love to get some of that stuff back. And being able to network with other people and have that social aspect of the hobby so it's not, it's not just something that is not something that you're just going out alone because that's a pretty depressing existence you know yeah, yeah it's I, like 40 year old virgin stuff <laughs> seriously uh no and that you know that's a that's a great point is the 
the social interaction part of it. And, you know, this is the first time that Steven and I have hung out, you know, granted it's a short period of time, but like it's, it's the willingness to go to meetups and, and, and go, you know, to these different get togethers and, and, or even just, you know, a couple, couple collectors meeting up, you know, at a diner and, and uh, shooting, you know, yeah, just shooting the bull, drinking yeah. a couple of beers, hanging out and talking, talking shop. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that for me has been the most fulfilling part of collecting uh, so far. I mean, I've I've met more people in the last couple of years, Star Wars, you know, through the Star Wars community than I did, in, you know, my previous, you know, 20 plus yeah. years of collecting. It's yep. just amazing what Facebook and, and the different groups have have really done for this community. Um, so getting back to the toy side of things. Uh, you had mentioned Indiana Jones. Yep. Raiders. Raiders. So that's one area of collecting that you dabble in. Yeah. So what do you do production pieces? Do you do pre-production? Uh, I know, I know I've seen, I've seen some pictures of stuff that you have. Yeah. But... There's a few, there's a picture or two that might be around <laughs> out there. So, I mean, and do you feel the same way about the Indiana Jones movies as Star Wars, or is it? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'll be blasphemous. As far as a, a movie, I would rather watch. I would rather watch Raiders of the Lost Ark than Star Wars. But I would also rather watch Return of the Jedi before I would watch <laughs> Star Wars. And not to be, you know, a huge, yeah. a huge contrarian, but that's just one of those things. I I grew up, you know, as a post Jedi era kid. And, uh, that was, that was something that seemed just by happenstance, you know, real kind of prolific during the time of my childhood, uh, when it came to the movie being on TBS or it came to the ease of picking up certain things from Jedi. Um, but you know, the whole thing is that I also don't feel you have to fit a certain mold that, oh, you, Star Wars has to be your favorite movie. Star Wars, I mean, I'll, I'll tell anybody who's, who's listening, Star Wars isn't my no. favorite movie. Mm -hmm. um, it's great, and it's one of the most important films that was ever made, but I'd still rather watch Raiders. Raiders is a way more important movie. I, I wanted to be more like Indiana Jones than Han Solo <laughs> as a kid, um, and that was kind of a more elusive toy line. I only had a couple of those figures as a kid, but, I mean, that was one of the best lines Kenner ever did. It made way for a lot of other really great things that, were done in the toy industry with some of the features these figures had and the way they were articulated. Uh, and it's a shame that line only lasted nine figures, really. Uh, I know it's too bad. Uh, what could have been, you know? Oh man. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from with Raiders. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark was the first VHS that my family rented when we first bought our, oh, man. our VCR. Oh man. And I can't tell you how many times I watched that movie as a kid. And Indiana Jones, for me, was huge. I, I just loved Temple of Doom. I loved um, The Last Crusade. I still catch myself watching them when they're on TV anytime. Yeah. You know, I, I I hear you there. I, I wish I had gotten into the toy line. I never did. But uh, I respect, um, you know, what they had and... 
Maybe someday. Maybe someday. It's never too late, man. <laughs> it's never too late. I know. So what other what other uh, toy lines um, are you into? Are you into anything else or? You know, not not really. There's a lot of little one-off things that I've picked up during my travels, as it were. Uh, the other one that I was really into as a kid was Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, yep. um, which was a, um, an amazing example of Kenner reusing stuff they'd already done, use a lot of parts from the superpowers line because the process of making a steel mold is um, it's it's super time intensive and it's expensive. So they reshot a lot of those parts with some different plastic colors and yeah. some different paint and made the bulk of the Robin Hood line that way. Even the playset, the Sherwood Forest, you remember the Sherwood <laughs> Forest, the Sherwood Forest playset? I mean, yeah. that was an Ewok village playset with some uh, some foliage, yep. you know, pieces added and a couple little changes made because it cost effective. But man, that was a fun line. That's one I still remember going to the store and buying in like, was it 91? Yeah, I think 91 so. or so. Yep. Yeah, that line, again, for me as well, uh, saw the movie in the theater as a, uh, I think I was 10 or 11 years old and uh had all those figures, uh, never had the playset, never had the, the yeah, Sherwood Forest playset. And then they also reused the Ewok battle wagon. Correct. They as, did. As they did. I forget what, what the vehicle is called, but yeah. you know, for, for the Robin hood line. But so on top of toys, is there anything else that you're into, um, outside of toys, uh, anything that really you gravitate towards? Not, not really. I mean, there's obviously, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Red Sox fan. Just like, just like Chris here. Um, <laughs> I love, uh, uh, I love music. I've always been a big, uh, big music fan. Kind of cut my teeth, uh, you know, as a, as a, a younger, I want to say really younger kid, but I guess as, as a kind of a younger adolescent, you know, around that kind of same age, I was getting all rebellious and getting into star Wars, getting into <laughs> a lot of like old school rock and roll and then getting into a lot of punk rock. Uh, buddy of mine is, uh, his older brother was into a lot of stuff, you know, like the, you know, the dead Kennedys and Fugazi and, oh, yeah. and misfits and things like that. And so I've kind of always had a certain affinity for, for that. And that's still something I try to keep up with and, um, stay familiar with the scene of, but no, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm married to a wonderful woman who puts up with uh, all of my running around looking at toy stuff. And I have, you know, three daughters uh, who all kind of had somewhat of a healthy Star Wars upbringing. My oldest doesn't really, uh, I don't think she cares as much <laughs> as uh, our middle daughter, uh, who's pretty, uh, who's pretty obsessed with daddy's uh, fragile prototypes, oh, as yeah. she calls them. Um, <laughs> but no, man, not a lot of other, you know, giant giant interest just hanging out with my wife and my kids and awesome. my friends trying to stay out of trouble and uh drinking good beer that i haven't drank before watching the watching the red Sox and um all yeah. the way from the great city of texas all huh? the way from the great yeah all the way from north texas dude and so not only are you a collector and and go around the country hunting for stuff you've recently made your toy uh, collecting actually be your profession. So what? So what's that all about? Well, uh, I spent quite a quite a while working on uh, working on a book along with two of my uh, two of my closest friends, Matt Matt George, 
who's another Texas native, and my friend Gary Borbage up from uh, the general Philadelphia area uh, in New Jersey. We're all big, you know, Star Wars pre-production nerds, collectors, whatever you want to call us. And uh, so we wanted to sit down and, and do a project where we kind of gave some, uh, gave a real life and a name and a face to all the anonymous folks who helped create and design the uh, Star Wars toy line at Kenner. So that's what we did uh, <laughs> over pretty much about the last three years. Uh, and the result is coming out the end of this year and it's called engineering and empire the creators of kenner star wars toy line and it is pretty much exactly uh what the title says it's a book of profiles or biographies whatever you want to call it really being able to tell the life stories of all these talented men and women who you know contributed to such an iconic line in my and millions of other kids childhoods and they've got they've got amazing stories a lot of times their life story before and after their time at kenner is even more interesting than what they did with star wars you know you got a you got a lot of guys who are prior service you know, who fought in world war ii uh fought in, in vietnam and um you got folks who were school teachers you have folks who were stay-at-home moms you have folks who were just engineers who needed a job after college all these very interesting rich um whole lives that all came together this lightning in a bottle moment <laughs> that they were able to capture to make this toy line and and we just thought it was there's been so much emphasis put on the toys and no one's ever really taken time outside of little bits of allegory or some you know little quotes here and there in a book or a, or an article online somewhere to really explore the lives that these people led and, and in many cases still still lead today. Fortunately, a lot of those folks are still around to tell their story. It sounds like an awesome experience <laughs> talking. Uh, it, was, it was nuts. Getting to. Yeah. I mean, it's real. I mean, it's one thing to have an idea, but then it's another to actually make that idea come to fruition and figure out the logistics of, of how you guys, you know, are going to put it together. So, I mean, you said it's taken, you know, roughly three years or so. I, where do you guys stand? You said it's coming out later this year. Where does it stand in the uh, process it as is, we speak? It is uh, minus kind of some last second little changes or any anything that happens to pop up or come to light in the meantime, really before the kind of the late part of the fall. Um, it's for all intents and purposes, pretty much all all wrapped up and done because the designer has all of the content and it's all being laid out right now we've been able to see a lot of the proofs uh that have come back for a lot of the pages that are completed and, you know made a few of the changes the usual stuff in the the writing uh process that even when you think it's done <laughs> when it's grammar checked spell checked edited formatted there's still sometimes little tweaks you have to to go back and and make and uh uh it's it was one of the most challenging, but also the most satisfying things that any of us have ever done in, in our lives. And actually looking at, you know, looking at actual proofs of pages in your hands is, uh, really makes it kind of come full circle. <laughs> it's very, uh, it's very cool, man. It's really cool. But it was a, it's a humbling experience getting to meet all these folks. Yeah. I can only imagine getting to know, you know, these people that created the toys that you and, and all of us loved. Yeah. You know, the 
the millions and millions of children that were able to, you know, create their own, their own worlds and, and destinies and whatever it may be, you know, with these, these beloved toys. Um, well, I mean, so as far as the book goes, is there a website? Is there a Facebook group? Is there some, a place that, uh, you know, folks can, can at least check in on, you know, where you guys are, um, you know, where it stands and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. If you go to facebook.com slash engineering and empire book, kind of get some updates from us and we'll start slowly putting out some more information on, on pre-ordering and how you can get your hands on a, on a copy before the end of the year, which was kind of a, you know, it was a big deal to us. We certainly weren't going to rush anything, but uh, it was nice that we were able to get this thing finished and be able to put it out in, in 2018, which most people associate 1977 with Star Wars. And with the film, they'd be 100% right. But the first actual action figures, the first three and three quarter inch Star Wars toys actually hit the shelves in the early part of spring in 1978. So by the time we actually have our books back from the printer and other people are actually able to go and, and buy it, exactly 40 years since the first <laughs> toys hit the shelves so we thought it was pretty fitting to um, to be able to have that thing out and to the to the masses out for the world to see but yeah we'll be post <laughs> we, we post a lot of like little random bits and some uh kind of behind the scenes stuff some previews but as things start to get closer uh we'll have all the all the pertinent information on there if anybody wants to go out and buy a copy and read about all these folks awesome man sounds Sounds like a great book. Can't wait for it. So stay tuned to that. Check them out on Facebook. Give them a like. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, you'll be able to reserve your copy sometime soon. So I'm just going to shift gears a little bit. Um, recent Star Wars movie that just came out on Solo Star Wars Story. I just wanted to get your general overall feeling on the movie and... You know, you if you think it was good for, you know, the the vintage collecting scene, if it if it helped it out. Um, I know the guys on the Kivecast just talked about their winners and losers, but uh, you know, I was wondering what your feelings were. I have I have not listened to the, that Kivecast, and since I've got to get on a plane here in a little while, that's <laughs> probably some good material for me to listen to on the plane. Um, I I think it's going to help certain aspects of collecting i'm sure han solo stuff is going to go up in, in uh, level of interest and price point lando chewbacca that's just my wild speculation on that um i i mean i don't know i i like the film i went in there with a lot of reservations because i knew what a mess the production was <laughs> there's a little, it, little bit of things, yeah a little I was, bit of stuff going on yeah i was really not sure what we were going to walk into uh in the first like five minutes, some some of the dialogue between Han and uh, Kira, yeah. I mean, I was about, I was ready to walk out of the theater. It just seemed <laughs> awful, uh, and then it just kind of kicked in, and it it worked, and it ran on all cylinders, and it was a fun film that was kind of outside the general, I want to say the general canon of the Star Wars trilogy, but it showed. Just, just like the title suggested, it was a Star Wars story. It was something that was within that universe. That there were a lot of cool nods that you know, old school vintage nerds would would pick up on, um, and it's still related to the overall plot. Um, 
I would definitely watch it again. I'm sure I will, but I, I enjoyed it overall. And I think anything that, anything that's quality, that's fun is only going to help, you know, kind of things in the vintage collecting community, at least keep the interest in star Wars around for, you know, the next generation. I, I know, guess. I know keeping it going. Um, all right. Another thing that was just announced recently was uh, the location of the next celebration. Yeah, Star Wars Celebration Nine. It's going to be in Chicago. Is it? Uh, That's cold, man. Yeah, That's I know. Cold. April in Chicago, not not the greatest time there. Uh, but uh, do you plan on going? Is it something that you're looking forward to? Yeah, yeah. Um, already got all the details sorted out uh, for that. I know. You just got you just got your pass. Yeah, um, I'm I'm excited for it. It's it goes back to what we were talking about with the social aspect of collecting and being able to hang out. Like for me, it's not so much about sitting through a panel with one of the directors of a Star Wars spinoff film or or people who happen to act in the films. It's more interesting for me to just get hang out, get to hang out with you know like minded collectors with friends that I don't always get to see very often and yeah just like you said man just hang out sit down drink some <laughs> beer and and you know talk about collecting or talk about Star Wars or talk about stuff that isn't even related to Star Wars but again with with folks that you don't always get to sit down and interface in person with you know on a regular basis in in many cases because a lot of times we communicate through text or you know messenger or or email or whatever the case is because we're also spread out so that that's it's a really awesome opportunity to network and just communicate and socialize with you know, your your fellow collectors. So for me, it's it's going to be my first celebration. Yeah. Uh, so I'm you know super excited, kind of anxious, trying to get all the plans squared away and everything. You've at least you've been to was the last one your first celebration that you went to yeah celebration eight c8 uh orlando was my first and i was kind of in the same boat i really didn't know what to expect i you know i i didn't know what was going on i had no clue i had no clue what would actually be going on short of what i'd heard you know there's stuff to buy there's stuff to see there's things to to hear and there's this and that and chaos <laughs> but until you go experience it and i think i've kind of told you the same thing man it's like you you kind of have to go and, and get your feet wet and despite all the chaos and the people and the walking and being tired and and uh just you know sometimes ready to just go sleep for 15 hours uh it is a blast and you know if you've got one person there that you happen to know that's good but at the end of the day, you've got a lot of people there who are all into the same thing that, that you are. And I think that's that's a positive thing to kind of have that community effort to where, yeah, somebody may show up and they don't really know anybody. But they at least know they if they're wearing a Star Wars, you know, a, a Kenner T-shirt. They may not know the guy who they pass wearing a Kenner T-shirt, but at least they know that they've got something in common that they can strike up a conversation about. Well, I know I can't wait for... The next, I can't wait till celebration. I mean, we got like 10 months to go. Yeah. I'm sure, I mean, we've got plenty of time to plan and, and figure everything out. But I think, I think, uh, I think we'll pretty much end it on that. I mean, it's been a great conversation. I'm really glad that uh, we were able to get together 
and uh, talk some Star Wars, man. We had a lot more conversations going on outside of this. Yeah. But uh, thanks so much for doing this for me. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, you you plugged the uh, the book. I mean, do you have anything else you'd like to plug or uh, anything else on social Yeah, I'm hoping media? the Boston Red Sox win the World Series this year. Yes, absolutely. Love to plug the Boston Red Sox for anyone who's not familiar. <laughs> absolutely. Well, thanks, Stephen. I appreciate you uh, doing this for me, uh, with me, you know. I appreciate and- appreciate you uh, taking the time out of the day to make sure that uh, the stuff I had to bring up for a friend here in New England could make it all in one piece. Oh, yeah. They'll I'm sure the listeners are wondering... <laughs> like what is he dropping off is this like a breaking bad thing uh, i don't know they might have to find out maybe on saturday <laughs> maybe the saturday we'll uh discuss it um at the star wars uh northeast star wars uh collectors club meetup over at rob Mateas down in connecticut definitely be hitting that up looking forward to meeting up with those guys um so at the network here there's a little thing we like to do it's called Plug time. Steven already plugged his book. I'll plug my social media. You can find me at Vintage Viewport on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure to go to iTunes, Google Play, uh, iHeartRadio, uh, rate, comment, subscribe to the BrickCityBlockade.com podcast network. Uh, your ratings really bring us the epic guests like Mr. Stephen Ward. And, uh, You're too kind. <laughs> So on that note, may the force be with you. See you guys.